so it is my honor. Where is she? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's my honor to introduce to you um, Vivian Ma, who actually is a, one of our, what we call, homegrown missionaries. Uh, no rush. There's no rush. Uh, I have plenty of things to say. <laughs> it's part of my job, right, as pastor. They say pastors have the gift of gab. But yeah, so Vivian is one of our homegrown. So we're really proud that as a church we have missionaries that we support that are homegrown. So it's not only Vivian, but also Cindy Chen in uh, one part of, the, of Asia, and also Calvin Lee, who's in Japan. These are homegrown, and Nathan, who is in Crew, um, who's in Japan right now <laughs> on a uh, mission with Crew. And so Vivian herself is homegrown. But there's also more to that. She's not only homegrown, but she was serving here uh, as she went. When May and I started in 2008, you were in college at that point. And so that's way back in the old ancient days. And, uh, and then she, she served in our youth ministry. So I'm just curious, how many of you here were youth when Vivian was a youth counselor, adult culture? So you can see even Matt, who led worship today, yeah, and a few others. Uh, Yep, so there's history there. And then she also was served as a deacon of our church on the church board. Um, actually, I think she was one of the youngest ever deacons at that point to join the church board because our church has a vision that the English congregation, they hope and pray for that we will raise up leaders to also join the church board and, and have an uh, influence on how the church goes and the decisions we make. So her and also another uh, sister, uh, Cindy Yang, uh, was part of that, and they were in their just out of college, I think, in their master's age or working, that they would join the church board at that time. And uh, yeah, so we love Vivian, and she is a lot of fun. Uh, she's one of those fun personalities, and so <laughs> you'll see that a little bit. But um, without further ado, Vivian, why don't you come up, and you're going to use the podium, and here's your clicker, so you should be able to click. You can put, yeah. So hopefully this works. If it doesn't, then they'll help you along with that. So thanks. Good, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. <laughs> Sorry, my brain is like a bit crazy. <laughs> just like right now. Um, I was just sharing at the Mandarin Sunday School, and I just finished and then ran upstairs um, at the Cantonese service. And then, and I've been like in Boston sharing. So um, give me a second. Let me open my notes. <laughs> okay. I made the same, I'm so short, guys, I'm sorry. I hope you can see me. In the Cantonese service, I think I was, um, I was tiptoeing like half the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what happened to my slides? Oh, well. This, my slides were beautiful, so this is not my fault. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, cool. Oh, yay. Oh. And it's cushy, whoa. Okay, good. Hello. <laughs> um, Jeff just gave my like life history, so I don't know what else to say about myself. Uh, but yes, I'm a, a missionary um, from the UK, and I serve with a, a missions organi organization called Chinese Overseas Christian Mission, um, COCM. So I might refer to that quite a bit. Um, clicker. So a little bit about me. Um, just some fun facts, essentially. I was born and raised in New Jersey. Um, this, this is my home state my whole life. And like Jeff said, I grew up in this church. Um, so I'm very familiar with 
all the nooks and crannies. I used to eat lunch in the, the secret passageway down to the fellowship hall and stuff. And then <laughs> the blue tile in the fellowship hall. I was so excited to see it because when I was a kid, that was what the fellowship hall looked like. So um, shows you how long I've been in this place. So I love cats and rabbits. That's my, my rabbit winter um, in the UK. I drink coffee every day. I get a headache if I don't. Um, and that's probably the, if you want to be my friend, uh, bring me a coffee and invite me to play board games. That's what I love as well. And um, I also don't have an English accent. People ask about that all the time. I think I've been, in the past week and a half, it's been brought up at least five, six times. Like, oh, so where's your English accent? I, I don't know. Huh? No, it's, it sounds, well, I guess, yeah, no. <laughs> Either I sound like trying to be the queen or it's like really, they call it chavy. It's like, all right, mate, in it, and then stuff like that. And it's not very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, let me, because, you know, I'm all about youth ministry and I love games. Um, I thought I would start off with a, a quiz of sorts, um, see how well you guys know the United Kingdom, um, some fun questions, um, and also more about the Chinese church. Uh, so question one, which of these is not a country in the UK? Well, some of you need to brush up on your geography. Uh, <laughs> there are four countries that make up the UK, and it's Wales, England, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. Uh, so that was a trick question. Ireland is its own country where Dublin is. Um, Guinness Brewery is there as well if you want to visit. Um, so that's, okay. Now you oh, my slides. Okay. Which, okay, I think it says, question two, UK, UK is known for its very, like, unique place names. Um, so which of these is not a real town or village? North Piddle, Nether Wallop, Blubber Houses, or Tiddlyfoot? Any guesses? Uh, the answer is D, Tiddlyfoot. Blubber Houses. I should have looked up where they were actually are, but Tiddlyfoot sounds more like a... Um, something from Harry Potter, that's the vibe I get, yeah. Um, question three, so um, <laughs> the queen, uh, she's always pictured holding her designer bag, the Launer handbag, um, but the question is, true or false, the queen never holds cash in her handbag. She's the queen, right? It's false. Yeah, she does carry cash, but for one reason only. Any guesses? She was a faithful woman of God. Tips? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sunday offering. That was the only time she carried cash with her to give offering every Sunday, right? So she was really, we love her. I miss the queen. Uh, <laughs> um, and then um, <laughs> the queen, the queen uh, celebrated her jubilee no, but Platinum Jubilee, which is 70 years of, of as, uh, reigning as queen, um, and she was uh, famously known to have tea with one of these British characters. Any ideas? Anyone see it? <laughs> yeah, it was Paddington Bear. Yeah, not Winnie the Pooh. Um, I find it funny because I picture this, like, 96-year-old woman sitting across basically an empty chair, right, because it's CGI and, like, pretending to have tea with a bear, I don't know, I just find it, I find it funny. Uh, right, more about the Chinese church. Uh, how many, how many Chinese churches are there in the UK? Uh, 
Any ideas? Did she say 150? Oh, because that's not an option. <laughs> okay. um, there's 170 churches. This was pre-pandemic, and um, it sounds like a lot, but given our the, the size of the country and um, the population density, it's actually uh, an appropriate number. Um, I think it's a bit higher now, and I'll explain why later. But um, of these Chinese churches, so about the 170, how many of them have full-time pastors? Or all the churches? Not all the churches? Shouldn't a church have a pastor? Uh, yeah, the answer is two-thirds. Um, so that comes out to about 114 churches that have full-time pastors, and maybe they have more than one if they're you know, blessed in that sense. The other one-third, mostly part-time or lay workers. Now, the big question, um, how many of these Chinese churches have full-time English ministry workers? You think it's that bad out there? 15? 75, yeah. Actually, it's pretty bad. It's 15 churches. Um, <laughs> so about so 100, 270 churches, about 15 of them um, have English workers. It might be more. Um, I can't assume that we know every single English worker, but I don't think it's far off from that. I think I already rounded up. Um, it's about 25 workers altogether, and that includes myself and my, my other two colleagues who work for COCM, and there's also like about six pastoral, English pastoral workers um, in one church, in the biggest church um, in, uh, in London. Uh, so that already gives you, like, there's only very, even fewer in the rest of the country. Um, so yeah, that kind of, I ask these questions more to, like, give you an idea of, like, what uh, the landscape is like in the UK right now. Um, so we'll, we'll come back to that a bit more about my ministry. Um, wanted to share a bit more about my testimony, how I became a Christian, and how I ended up in the UK. Um, so I, like I said, started coming to this church when I was five. Um, I am pictured here. <laughs> and um, I grew up pretty much, you know, learning a lot about, about Jesus, all the different Bible stories. Uh, and as I grew older, I started youth group. Um, so it was still called SWAT many years ago, <laughs> and I was, I, this was my senior year. Um, that youth group was really important to me, a pivotal part of my spiritual journey. Um, it's when I started to take my faith more seriously and see Jesus more than just like a Bible character, but as my Lord and Savior, someone I could have a relationship with. Um, and um, as a teen, I also had a lot of opportunities to step outside my comfort zone, go on a lot of short-term mission trips, um, and I'm really thankful for those opportunities because it really shaped my faith. Um, this is, I think, my first one in 2002. You guys might recognize Nathan in there on another short-term mission trip um, in Japan, and um, Faye, who's now in the Mandarin um, congregation. But um, So I think I went on a mission trip every year from ninth grade and then all through college. So I think it was like at least 10 or more mission trips. Um, and for me, it was important because it really opened my eyes to what missions is, and how sharing the gospel um, can really change lives. Um, it was around college where uh, I started to realize the, the joy of serving God. You know, I really saw that you know, I didn't quite enjoy doing much else. You know, when I was in church, when I was serving, was on mission trips, that's where I felt like I was thriving. Um, and I, just, I show this picture because um, you know, the, 
Oh, no, there's nothing. Yeah, I think uh, in 2013, I was serving in the youth group here as well, along with Nathan and Faye. Um, and it was, you know, through times like that, experiences like that, where I really yeah, found that um, serving God was something I loved to do. Uh, so naturally, after graduating college, I had considered full-time ministry, um, but equally, uh, I felt that the more sensible plan was to um, get a job, you know, be <laughs> earn money, become independent, um, you know, maybe start a family, get married, who knows. Um, and, and quite honestly, I think part of me also doubted whether God would really call me, right? Like, I don't feel that qualified or, or ready to do full-time um, ministry. So I quickly put that thought aside and kind of promised God, oh, maybe later when I'm older, right, after I've lived a little. Um, fast forward to oh, 2013, um, found myself with two degrees. I had finished my master's degree, and I wasn't using any of them, any of the degrees at all, and was working at Starbucks. Um, and I don't mean that in like a bad way. It's just where I was. I love Starbucks. Uh, <laughs> but that's just where I was in my life. And um, it was up that same year where I was invited to go to the UK um, to serve um, with COCM. And usually when someone asks you to do something that crazy, to like move to another country, you kind of laugh it off. You're like, oh, that's good. Yeah, good one. You know, I would never do that. Um, but this time, I think when I was invited, I really felt God tugging at my heart. You know, this wasn't an invitation that I could easily brush off. Um, so I was torn because I was so set on, you know, using my degrees, you know, following the plan. Um, you know, and I, um, those, I was, <laughs> my joke here is like, those, the two degrees were not cheap, you know. Um, college here is very expensive. And I hadn't met my husband yet, right? So I had a lot of things to do. Uh, <laughs> Just, just kidding. That's not. Oh, it's out of order. Sorry. So these are um, pictures from my short-term mission trips. Um, but came across this verse, and it's very, I think, well known to us. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Um, for so long, I realized that I was trusting my own plan, trying to follow and do what others were doing, what made sense to me. Uh, but this time, I felt convicted to surrender my plans and trust God. And realizing that our purpose is not just to le lead the easy life or the happy life, but, you know, to instead seek first the kingdom of God. And I felt called to go. And I ended up going to the UK in 2014. Um, my plan was to stay, like, maximum two years. I think, again, it was a, a commitment issue. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, God, I'll go, but let's just go two years, right? Um, and now it's been nine, and um, it's been quite the journey, and I'm really thankful, and um, thankful to be there, to, to serve there. Um, so I think, sum it up, I ended up uh, going to Bible college there and um, serving with COCM the, ho the whole duration, um, the past nine years. And yes, so why the UK? Um, people ask that a lot, because they're like, oh, you pretty much do things that you could do in the U.S., why did you choose to go to the United Kingdom? Um, you know, they're another Western country, first world, like pretty much the same. Why go there? Uh, so my first time serving, hmm? Oh, okay. I'll share this. Um, it's related to my testimony. And I think many of you know Timothy Keller. He was a pastor from New York. He passed away on Friday. So I was like, I really want to use a quote. And I liked this one. Um, and I'll read it. The question regarding our choice of work is no longer what will make me the most money and give me the most status. 
question must now be, how, with my existing abilities and opportunities, can I be of greatest service to other people, knowing what I do of God's will and the end of human need? And I didn't come across this quote, like, back then in 2013, but I think it really summarizes um, my, my feeling back then. You know, it's realizing that the plan earning money is not the most important thing, but really the question I should be asking is, how can I serve others? You know, yes, I might feel unqualified or incapable, but I have abilities, I have opportunities, how can I um, serve others? So I just wanted to throw that in there. But, and I think that's the feeling that led me and um, led me to the UK. So again, why the UK? Uh, first time was going, uh, first time going was in 2012 as a short-term missionary, and I served in a, a summer youth camp. And the one thing, I don't remember much from that camp, but what I do remember is the young people and their hunger for God. Um, and not to say that young people here aren't hungry, but for some reason it felt different. Um, they were just, just so passionate, really wanting to, um, to learn more, to grow more, to worship more. And on top of that, the leaders, um, I think maybe there's 50, 60 leaders there, and I, came, I realized that none of them were full-time workers. These were 50, 60 young adults who just saw the value of youth ministry and, and youth summer camps providing this space for the young people. Um, and they were happy to come serve year in and year out. Um, just seeing, seeing that this is the situation there um, really moved my heart. You know, it was in this first trip where I think it's a, the Bible verse, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Um, while I knew that that was true, it, it became reality to me in the UK. Um, what, um, yeah, came reality. So, so what, um, what I do in COCM, uh, and this is a short, short, short history lesson, um, COCM uh, pretty much serves the Chinese diaspora uh, in the UK. So, um, Chinese people who are no longer in their homeland, they're in the UK. Um, so over time, there's just been different waves of people coming. Um, in the 50s to 80s, it was mainly people from Hong Kong um, opening Chinese takeaways and just some old pictures. Um, that was, yeah, so many, I guess, like in that sense, middle-class workers looking for work. Um, and then later, second wave was uh, more people from from China, mainly from Fujian, Northeast China. Again, they were taking over the Chinese restaurants. So the, the, the Hong Kong families were retiring and then they were selling them to these Chinese, family, Chinese families from China. Um, and also we had a lot of um, college students come. And then uh, most recently in the past two years, um, we've had a lot of British national overseas from Hong Kong um, immigrate as well. So um, just to give you an idea, our most Chinese churches uh, have either doubled or tripled in size, and not just like a, a slow growth. It was like literally overnight. Suddenly, churches were double or triple um, in size. So this has been a really big wave um, of families uh, of Chinese people coming, and um, of course, all these people who settle there they have children, and so that's where my ministry comes in. Um, it's we serve. We used to say like British-born Chinese ministry, BBC ministry, but we realized that it makes more sense to call them English-speaking Chinese because they might not be British-born. Um, so we do the English ministry Chinese. CUCM was started from that first wave back in 1950, um, uh, and their ministry is kind of divided up like how a church would. We have the Cantonese ministry, Mandarin ministry, um, 
and English ministry, and now we've also spent more time focusing on, on training and uh, cross-cultural ministry. So that might mean mobilizing churches to either go abroad or just to serve in their local communities, you know, Muslim communities or Afghan refugees and things like that. <coughs> so we do a lot of, um, yeah, national and, and local work, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, so for the English ministries team, uh, we are quite small. You know, you saw that the number of English ministry workers was not too many as well, so our team uh, reflects that, and we're a team of three. Um, it's myself, uh, James, and, and, and Lawrence. Uh, and before, yeah, before I share about, you know, what we do, the ministries that we do, I thought it'd be good to speak about the needs of the VBCs. Um, the, so they're in many ways quite like the ABCs, right? Like they're bicultural. We don't feel like we necessarily fit in either culture, not, not quite American, not quite Chinese. Um, so the same, same for them. Um, but I think in terms of Chinese Christians, the big difference would be um, they don't have youth pastors. They don't have um, English pastors. It's a, a real luxury, I realize. Um, these two sitting right here would be the dream in many of the Chinese churches there. Um, and so for the youth growing up in church, what does that mean for them? What is their experience? Uh, they pretty much don't have a choice and have to sit through services, worship in Chinese, whether that's Cantonese or Mandarin, be taught in those languages as well. Um, you know, their youth ministry, Sunday school, may or may not be in English. And I, for us, you know, picture, I'm, some of you are probably good at Chinese. So picture you being like sent to France and having to worship in a French church. Um, you might adjust and adapt and learn the language eventually, but the culture is different. It would be a struggle um, to, to, you know, find community there and build um, you know, just to grow your faith there. And so that's what the young people experience as well. Um, and in most cases, I don't think I have a picture, um, in most cases for the youth, seeing that there's nothing for them, like, well, there's no youth group for me, there's no English worship service, there's nothing for me, why am I, why am I still here? As soon as they're able to make that choice for themselves, pretty much in college, they end up leaving the church. And if, um, best case scenario, they go to um, like a local British church. Um, but worst case, and in most cases, they end up leaving church altogether. And um, so for many of the smaller churches, in like just to sum it up, basically they struggle because they lack resources um, and, lack, and lack manpower. Um, so James, he grew up in a church in Oxford, and Oxford is you know, quite well known. It's the, the Harvard of the UK, I guess. Um, so I figured, you know, Oxford, well-known city, surely they have like a decent-sized Chinese church. Um, but I found out that he grew up in a tiny church. It was, I think, maybe 10 people. And that was his weekly service. And I think there's many other churches similar to that, to the point where, I don't even know if you would call it a service. I know there's one church, they just started sitting in a circle, and it was more like a, a weekly Bible study on a Sunday. Um, so that was just, that was the situation of many of the Chinese churches there. Um, so what can be done? And I think that's where our ministries come in. Um, the easiest way to explain it is our national work, so our national projects act as um, surrogate ministries. So we fill in where the churches aren't able to. Um, so I'll ask, like for you guys, you, mm, not, not that one. Um, for you guys, 
you, youth group or, or Sunday school, you meet every week. Um, you guys have annual retreats. Um, that's what I grew up with here. And But for, for the young people, if they don't have that, um, that's where something like uh, the summer camps might come in. Um, so, so FAT Camp stands for Praise Him All Together. This is our summer youth camp. And every summer we see about 170 youth, 70 leaders. They come from all over the UK and Ireland and join us for worship, Bible study, um, and just fellowship time together. Um, but for some of these youths, this might be the only time they get any real spiritual feeding because um, they, maybe they're not learning as much from attending the Chinese service or not having a youth group. Um, they, I hear so many testimonies about, you know, oh, I really experienced God here. I really felt, you know, the community. It was so nice to worship with other Chinese Christians, um, Chinese Christians, because uh, in their own church, maybe there's only a handful, or maybe they're only the uh, one of the few Chinese people in their school. That's not uncommon for them. So this fat camp becomes kind of like a surrogate ministry because it's something that they don't have in their own churches. Um, I think, and then for some of the bigger churches, the other term we use is that they're more supplementary ministries. So they use Fat Camp um, to as part of their program within their own church. So that's within the bigger cities. But I wouldn't say that's true for most of the other um, cities around the UK. Um, we also realize we also use Fat Camp um, to train the college students. So we might. Uh, try to equip them to lead Bible studies and small groups. Um, we also just want to build up their conviction and character, um, and we just hope that it ends up being a launchpad launch pad for them to serve in their own home churches. Um, I'll just show, yeah, so these are some pictures from Fat Camp. I think it was through the training that we did with the young people, we realized that this is something that is quite lacking in the Chinese churches. Um, so recently, God has been moving our ministry to focus more on um, serving the local churches, uh, whether that's training or empowering the le leadership. So, yeah, I'll skip these. Yeah, so recently, the past couple of years, we uh, ran something called Next Gen Leaders. Um, so it's just mainly a youth ministry training. And uh, I think the first year we had about 50. Last year we had 120. Uh, there is really need, a great need for youth ministry training right now because of all those Hong Kong families coming. A lot of youth um, are joining these churches. So, you know, I think I told you churches are like doubling or tripling. So a lot of these were pretty much first-gen aunties and uncles who are like, we have so many youth, we don't know what to do. Can you teach us, train us? You know, how do we start up... Um, how do we start a youth group? How can we minister to them better? Uh, so it was, you know, very, I think, we hope to carry on this type of training um, each year. Um, we're also thinking more about doing um, preaching training. So since there aren't many English pastors, there's no regular speakers. Um, we're hoping something like this, we can build up more, um, equip more lay preachers and that they would be able to serve in their own churches. And if God allows, maybe we'll do more training, children's ministry, pastoral care, and, and worship, you know, Training is needed in all areas in that sense. Um, we also have, mm, do a lot of uh, local church work and wanted to share about, um, this is a church in Milton Keynes, which is where I live and where COCM is based. And um, this was, I think when I first started, Milton Keynes did not have an existing English ministry. 
and you know, had the privilege and, and um, an honor to be able to help build that English ministry. So now, fast forward you know, nearly 10 years, it's kind of a full-fledged English ministry, and it's um, been a real blessing. Um, really praise God for this, um, this space, you know. So, yeah, and it's called Crossway, um, and it's mainly led by my coworker, Lawrence. Um, uh, so the first picture was like, this is where we first started. It was like in a tiny classroom with about 10 youth and, you know, it's, it's grown to what it is now. Uh, we also lead the, the youth group. Um, so more, an update about this youth group. Like I said, there's been a lot of uh, Hong Kong people moving. So before 2021, we were seeing about 25 youth each week. And so say that was like August, 25 youth. And then September, we were starting a new school year. We were welcoming all the new people. We went from 25 to like 75. So it felt like overnight, we had about 50 Hong Kong youth join us. Um, and it's only grown since then. So it's grown so big where we had to split by language. Uh, so now we've got, I think, this is probably about the size of the Cantonese route. So each Friday, we see about 25 to 30 English-speaking youth and 60 to 70 Hong Kong youth, and more are still joining, so it's a growing ministry. And the task of manage the challenge is not so much the numbers. Um, I think we can always recruit more leaders and try to run programs, but the real challenge that we found um, was managing the relationships and the range of needs between the two cultures. Uh, so if you imagine the, the 25 youth, when suddenly 50 Hong Kong youth show up, they went from being the majority to the minority, and it was really difficult for them. I think we were all trying to switch gears, see what we can do to minister to the Hong Kong youth, and the English, honestly, I think they felt a bit overlooked. Um, and I think that's true for many other churches um, around the UK, where they've put so much focus on uh, ministering to the Hong Kong youth. <coughs> so now the challenge is, like, how do we minister to both? Um, and we know that, you know, eventually these Hong Kong, these Cantonese-speaking youth will learn English, and, like, will they be a part of the English ministry? So it's really, the, un the future is a bit unknown, so really do pray for us and for the youth ministry. We don't know what it'll be like in a few years' time. Um, so that's the youth ministry. And um, to finish, you know, I wanted to share about <coughs> a couple of um, people that I've met um, whilst in the UK, um, Holly and, um, and Lawrence, my coworker. Um, so I'll kind of summarize there too. They're, they're, they have similar stories, um, so maybe I'll just kind of focus on, on Lawrence. This is Lawrence. Uh, I met him when he was about 19 years old back then, uh, and he had kind of the experience that I um, described earlier, right? They grew up, he grew up without um, an English ministry, um, sort of had a youth group, so he and Holly were in the same youth group well, same church together, and both of them attended uh, Cantonese service like their whole life. So for Lawrence, um, thankfully he stuck around. So after graduation, uh, he went to call. Sorry, after high school he went to college and found himself in a city again, no English ministry. Um, and by God's grace, he stuck around and went to Cantonese service. I think he became more Canto for a period of time, more Hong Kong-like. Um, then when he moved back to Milton Keynes, that was around the same time we started our English ministry, Crossway. And uh, I remember him saying, like, so, and then fast forward another few years, he felt called to serve full-time, which is how he ended up joining um, COCM. Um, 
And for him, I think he described it like Crossway was almost like an answered prayer to finally have, you know, not just an English service, but a community of brothers and sisters who are like him, who have similar experiences. Um, you know, he was so used to having to be a part of the Cantonese ministry for so long. So he felt really called to then serve Crossway and to, um, because Sir Crossway didn't have any full-time pastoral worker. Um, this is where Lawrence felt called to and filled in and stepped up and responded to God's call um, to serve the BBC community. Um, Holly's story was similar. So um, she doesn't do full-time ministry, but I think I'll just share her. The same similar experience where she grew up in the, the Chinese church, a lot of Cantonese services, um, but ended up staying in church. And um, now she leads a like a, a regional youth camp. So it's like for a few churches together. So it's been like um, so encouraging to watch her grow from a 15-year-old to where she is now, 25, 26 years old, leading a camp like this. Um, their stories, both of their testimonies, uh, I think they're, they're really, you know, good testimonies, and I'm so encouraged by them. But it also saddens me because I think about, you know, what if they didn't have something like Fat Camp? What if they didn't have mentors or youth group leaders um, looking after them? Would they still be in the Chinese church? Um, and there's a lot of young people who pretty much have left, you know, didn't have the experience that Lawrence, um, Lawrence and Holly had. Um, and I wanted to share their stories for a couple reasons. Um, firstly, because I hope that it encourages you guys. Um, I know when we, I know when we uh, feel called to serve, when we are asked by God to do something, we tend to have these types of responses. We're like, "Oh, missions, go to another country." No, I like home. I like. Well, I like New Jersey, even though the rest of the country doesn't. Um, or we might, <laughs> um, we might say like, oh, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. You know, that was my response. Like, oh, I'm not ready. You know, maybe when I'm older, I'm more experienced. Um, or maybe, you know, I don't feel qualified. You know, I'm not called to, to serve. I'm not called to do this. I'm not, I'm not even equipped. Um, or, you know, maybe we secretly think like someone else will do it. And someone else, you know, if it's not me, someone else will go. Um, but wanted to challenge you guys today and help maybe reframe your responses a little. Um, and like I said, so these were probably these are probably true for me. Most of these responses, um, laughing off, moving to another country, not feeling ready, and same for Lawrence and Holly. You know, I've gotten to know them quite well, and uh, for them, you know, they always felt like, oh, I'm not, I'm not qualified. You know, I'm not equipped. How, how can I do lead a whole camp? How can I, you know, lead a whole church? Um, None of us pictured ourselves doing what we do now. Uh, but I think for me, one of the biggest lessons, um, one of the biggest lessons I learned is that missions doesn't have to happen overseas. You know, it can start from home. This was one of the, like, the big lessons I learned from uh, my first, one of my first short-term mission trips, like, like take the mission home. And it still stuck, um, sticks with me today. Um, you know, it's what, what counts is looking where God is at work right now and how we can join in on that work. Um, and, the call might not be to go, you know, to move to another country. The call might be as simple as, you know, just talking to someone. Maybe, you, yeah, talking to someone or serving in some way. Um, and, hmm. I, I wanted to, I think, share a bit from this passage, just one verse. Um, I think it's, for me, always encouraged me. Um, for if you keep silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. 
And who knows whether you have, uh, have not come to your royal position for such a time as this. Um, so I, I really love the story of Queen Esther and, and this, this passage, this scripture in particular. Um, so if you're unfamiliar, you know, Esther, um, there was a huge threat to her family and to her people. You know, the king, she was married to the king of Persia and there was a decree out to kill the Jews. Um, and Esther quickly realized that uh, she was placed in her position to win the heart of the Persian king for a purpose. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think I relate to this because I like to think that each of us are similar. We have stories and experiences. We're gifted in certain ways. We're put in certain situations and certain seasons of our lives for a purpose. Um, so I, you know, whenever we feel unqualified or not equipped or we're too tired to do something, um, I encourage you guys to ask God how he plans to use you. Um, and I think, like I said, you know, it might be um, talking to a friend and, um, or, or just, you know, you know, looking to serve in some way. Because um, you never know how God will use your story, how God will use your experience um, to encourage another person. Um, Um, so this is another quote that um, I've always enjoyed or have encouraged me is, most gospel ministry involves ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. Um, yeah, I think like as someone who's always felt unqualified or not capable, and this is something I struggle with, you know, all my years, even as a missionary, even after I had gone, um, I've always questioned like, oh, do you really want me to do that? Like, oh, I don't want to preach. I don't want to do this. I'm happy where I am. Um, but I'm reminded that, you know, God uses ordinary people. He just wants us to be who we are and do what we can. Um, but what matters is our heart and our, our motivation behind it. You know, as long as we're looking to, to love others and share God's um, the gospel, the good news, that is what counts. And, you know, if you think about Jesus's disciples, they were fishermen, they were ordinary people, none of them were trained or um, went to Bible college. Um, they were simply faithful and obedient to Jesus and chose to follow him um, and were ready to, to go. Um, so I guess I think just wanted to share Lawrence and Holly's story um, and also my own story because um, we are ordinary people, none of us felt qualified, but um, they and myself, we responded to God's call, and they were chose to be bold and go where God called them to do. And it doesn't mean, again, going to another country. You know, Holly was just faithful in serving in her own church, eventually leading um, another youth group. Um, Lawrence chose to serve, you know, first he started just serving at youth group and um, eventually called to um, minister to the, to the whole congregation. Um, so I just want to, yeah, encourage you guys to just look for where God is at work here and, um, and, and just join in on that um, and pray that God would just uh, equip us and, and go with boldness to serve him. Um, so if you guys would um, continue to pray uh, for, for, um, for the UK, that God would raise up more workers, more people like um, Lawrence and Holly, um, that would be good. And I pray the same prayer um, for, for the US as well. I know that um, there are equally, equal needs here as well. Um, so for us, uh, if you could pray for uh, wisdom to know how to use our time effectively with the most impact. And what I mean by that is being a small team of three, we sometimes have make tough decisions about what's best to pursue. And sometimes that's mean, that means not doing something and saying no to things. Uh, so we'd really uh, would, would ask for, um, pray that God would give us wisdom. And again, you know, pray that God would uh, raise up more people to serve in the ministry, um, both in the UK and, and here. 
Um, so let me pray for us, or you're going to pray. <laughs> well, I thought we could do that right now. We could pray for what she just asked us to pray for. You think that's a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, great. Why don't we all rise, and the uh, worship team, you can come up and grab your positions as well as we do this. And as a show of that, we're going to be praying not only for Vivian, but for her ministry and those others, her team and others involved. If you could just rate, you know, put your hands out like this, and I'll put my hand on her to represent all of us. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Let's pray. Lord God, we are humbled to hear how you continue your work in the UK that you are working through Vivian and her team and others and all those leaders at Fat Camp and Next Gen training and all the other things that are going on, Crossway. And Lord, we just pray your blessing on these churches that represent your people, especially our brothers and sisters who are Chinese ethnicity there in the UK, that your spirit would raise them up, revive them, and continue to raise up leaders to show who you are to the world and to those who other Chinese that are there all over this world and many other ethnicities. Lord, we pray that you would raise up workers, that you'd give wisdom to those who are following you now and to choose the right choices to make and follow your, what you're doing and join you in that. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.